Do not listen to this show. The truth can be scary. The Kate Daly Show starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Kate Daly Show. You know I love Friday. It's my favorite day of the week, and there's always a there's always a reason for that. It's just well, a it's Friday, and b <laughs> we get to talk about some some very interesting topics on Fridays. And mm-hmm. I've got Investigator Dave. I'm here. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing really yeah? good today. This You're is going to be a great day. You know what? This is going to be a lot of fun because there isn't a topic that we won't tackle on this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I absolutely love about it. Is I'm always learning something. I walk away. I, I think I walk away way is the greatest benefactor of the show because I get to learn from some of the most amazing authors and uh, people in this country. So do you. And yes. I just love it. And so welcome to the show. I don't care whether you're listening from Tampa or Chicago or Salt Lake or wherever you're listening from. Glad to have you. And uh, hopefully you'll just kick back for the next while here and listen to one uh, amazing author uh, talk to you about something that we rarely cover on the show, but I'm excited to do it today. Uh, Gary Wayne, welcome to the program. Well, so excited to be here this afternoon to uh, talk about the show. Oh, we'll talk abs- about my book. Yes, oh, yes absolutely. A uh, book. Dave, uh, tell now, us a little bit about Gary Wayne. Gary, you've been studying this topic for over 30 years now. And right, and we, you're a, you're a contrarian, a Christian contrarian. It says here, it was a lifelong affair with biblical prophecy, history, and mythology. And one of the things I like about you is what we get calls on this show occasionally saying, "Who are the bad guys? Who's the new world order? Yes, Who's, who are the, yes. the name people? some names?" And we always of, go nebulous. Yeah. Well, they're the bankers. Well, or it's the an Zionists, ambiguous group, elite, you know. They're the Bilderbergers. They're the yeah. whatever, you know. But you actually take it back. You've researched back and back and back to the origins of this, all the way back to Genesis six, wow. and may, maybe before. This is going to be so, incredible. We welcome you to the program. What's the name of the book? Genesis 6. Go ahead. Go ahead. You talk. The name of my book is The Genesis 6 Conspiracy, How Secret Societies and the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Humankind. So wow. you're absolutely correct. I take it right back to the creation of secret societies and mysticism along with the giants and also connect it right through to today and what they're doing today and right. what they're planning to do in the future. You know what's interesting is if we would have had this discussion 20 years ago, um, of course, the naysayers out there, the people that just don't want to hear anything other than... Then the narrative that comes down the pike from the propaganda arm of the government, um, they would have said, you're crazy. What's interesting is I just had Ron Paul on the show, and he talked about the deep state. And he talked about, and he didn't go into detail about the deep state, but it was definitely a part of our conversation, as it is out in the open more and more now, because I think things are so blatantly in our face, it's almost as if they just don't care. And so this is a conversation that I think is in everybody, in the back of everybody's mind. Is this real? Is it not? What's going on with uh, with the elite, like uh, like Dave said, with the Illuminati, all of these groups, and and how do they fit into the deep state or also the uh, uh, the elite, the ones that run the shadow government, the ones that run the the country? So where do you usually start, Gary? Well, I can jump in at any any point in time, so mm-hmm. I can. How, I can how did start all right this at the beginning? Yes, how did all this get started? So I, I want the uh, the audience to understand first is that. Uh, I've done a lot of research on this, over 30 years of research before writing the book, and I've got it all annotated with endnotes. So if anybody wants to check out my sources in the book, it's all there for them to check out. And one thing that I do, even though I come at it from a Christian bias, Mm -hmm. is is I also bring into play uh, other religions and other mythologies, historians and the secret societies, and I let them speak for themselves. And what's unique about that is, is, 
it actually tells the same story of prehistory and what's going to happen in the end time just from a different perspective and so in doing so it brings it brings out sort of this idea that well you're just making it up or you're just speculating it so my book begins in Genesis 6, uh, but actually it'll sort of reverberate back to a little bit before. But essentially it's about the sons of God or the fallen angels of Genesis 6 who go to the uh, humans, uh, human females, and they create giants. Now, there's a partnership that comes about with, with this verse, and that is the descendants of Cain and uh, the partnership with the fallen angels that are also providing uh, illicit knowledge, the rise of the seven sacred sciences that are going to be taken to a level that is unprecedented, and perhaps we're, we're trying to get to that level today. Um, certainly the days of Noah will be uh, part of the whole ideology of Jesus' second coming, and we're still expanding on our knowledge. And how this comes together to create the secret societies and the mystery schools that come out of it and the polytheist religions. And so they partner in the antediluvian period, and I talk about how they corrupt the whole world, which brings about the flood. Unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. So I talk about, in through the book, how these organizations and descendants of the giants and the religion crosses the flood, how they affected the early post-Diluvian period, how they affected and why it's important to understand all of this when you're looking at the exodus and the conquest of the promised land, how they affected our history, what they're doing today, what they're planning to do, and how they're planning to bring about the end time. So it's a 6,000-year connect-the-dots investigation into what I call, you know, the House of Dragon in the book. Hmm. Wow. You know, and for, the, for those that aren't aware, this is actually in the scriptures. I went back to Genesis 6 and read it and reread it, mm-hmm. and also in um, Numbers and elsewhere, that there, if a lot of people, Christians, go slip right through this, don't even read it, well, but it's right there in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about this, Dave, is that I think a lot of people, Gary, um, they, they could say we're taking a, an ultra-religious tone to the show today. Yet politics and religion collide. And that's what's interesting about this is that I think that anyone listening is going to hear so much about the about the marriage of both of these things uh, throughout time. And I think it's fascinating. Absolutely. And, you know, when I say it's the rise of the secret societies at that same time. Um, people maybe in your audience might be familiar with a fairly famous adept uh, in Freemasonry called Albert Mackey. And he assembled in the 1800s a book called The History of Freemasonry. And he takes the start of their society back to Enoch, son of Cain. And there's two Enochs in, in the biblical lineage, son of Cain and son of Jared. And I'm referring to Enoch, son of Cain at this point. Mm-hmm. And his progeny and posterity, people like Lamech, uh, and again, there's two Lamechs, uh, Tubal Cain, Jabal, and Jabel. And that's what creates the Freemasonry in the antediluvian epoch. Just as they accredit Nimrod after the flood as being the first grand master of Freemasonry after the flood and writes the first constitution for the Masonic societies coming out of the flood with Babel being the first manifestation of uh, the fifth science, which is geometry, also known as Masonry, which Jubal uh, son of Lamech is credited with developing as well as ranching and, and, and farming. So when we're talking about all of this, we're talking about things that are not just biblically based. There are parallel stories everywhere. And what's really interesting is, is whether or not you go to any continent on the earth other than Antarctica, at least at this point, because we don't know for sure that there used to be a civilization there. Mm-hmm. But think- in all the religions and all of the histories, they all have an account of the flood and of the giants and the rise of the mystical religions and building of pyramids and so many common denominators in prehistory that they're just telling the same story from a polytheist perspective as opposed to the Bible, which is a monotheist perspective in my bias. Um, But I recognize that they're telling the same story, that whether or not you're talking about the Titans of Greek or the Anunnaki of Sumeria Mm -hmm. or the Danya or Daitia or Azuras of India or the Mitos of of China and on and on and on, they talk about the gods who go to human females and produce the demigods. 
Wow. Mm. You know what? I didn't even think of that. I didn't think that there were so many parallel stories going on. I don't know why. I just have never thought of it. Right. Yeah, in over in over 500 cultures around the world is the flood story and then that breaks down into many tribes and things as that comes down but it's it's everywhere and they all talk about the flood and they all talk about the giants wow what made you what made you get into this Gary in the first place 30 years ago what made you look and and, and want to know the research behind this yes so my main interest is is prophecy and history and mythology and so i thought what i wanted to do is i wanted to write books on prophecy and so i did a lot of research on that and i thought i would write my first book which was going to be the easiest shortest book to sort of cut my my craft on Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to connect the giants of Genesis 6 because they popped up as I was logging all of the, the different sort of prophetic narratives through through the Bible. And they pop up after the flood, and then they pop up in uh, end-time prophecy, particularly with Jesus talking about the days of Noah, which isn't a direct connection other than that happened in the days of Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with the abyss and the fallen angels being released and the demons of the abyss and the demons in um uh, causing war uh, to bring about Armageddon. I just wanted to sort of do a short, neat little book to tie that together. Right. So I just had an inclination that there was something there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, as I did more research, I kept opening more doors. And as I asked more questions, more and more doors were being opened. And all of a sudden, you know, it was down this rabbit trail, and it turned into a conspiracy book once I got into secret society writings, uh, you know, beyond history, beyond mythology, and beyond the religions, but actually about these mystery schools and these these secret societies that have been with us ever since the beginning and take their roots back uh, to the beginning that are, in fact, still in place today. So it just went in a completely different direction. Wow. <laughs> One thing that interests me is that a lot of people poo-poo secret societies, mm-hmm. and, yeah. but you've got to stop to think that these people dedicate their time, effort, and lives to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, whether we believe it or not, they do. And, and, uh, well, and, and that's the important thing to remember, just as what they say, we don't necessarily have to believe it. Mm-hmm. And they say some pretty um, out there things at times. But what's important to understand is they believe it. Yeah. And it's what they're doing with that belief that you need to be concerned with. We'll be right back with author Gary Wayne, Secret Societies. has the largest selection of wedding invitations in Southern Utah. For all you brides-to-be, right now we have special pricing on custom wedding invitations. Purchase 500 invites for only $149. That's right, $149. At Steamroller Copies, we offer our personal attention and ability to customize your wedding announcement to match your unique style and personality. Additional wedding accessories we offer at Steamroller include lined envelopes, enclosure cards, guest books, thank you cards, bridal canvases, and oversized photo prints. Come in to any Steamroller Copies location, St. George Boulevard, South River Road, or State Street in Hurricane. Steamroller Copies, always asking, what do you want to print today? Do you have a reverse mortgage? If you do, now is the time to refinance. Values are at record highs and rates at record lows. With a Heckam Reset, we'll make your reverse mortgage better with a lower rate and more available funds. And if you qualify, we'll pay your closing costs. This opportunity won't last, so make the most of your reverse by calling Heritage Reverse Mortgage. 435-359-9000. 435-359-9000. Not all borrowers will qualify. See letter for details. NMLS 1497. 
What worries you the most about retiring? Right now, for many, it's the volatility of the market. Abe Ashton is here to be a resource for Southern Utah Tuesday afternoons at 5 on St. George News Radio 93.1 FM and 1450 KZNU and at AshtonWealth.com. Don't miss out on the active life on St. George News Radio 93.1 FM and 1450 AM KZNU every Thursday afternoon from 5.30 to 6 p.m. The Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life will help you get the most out of your life. The Active Life is all about the senior community, full of motivational stories, inspiring moments, and people who add the gold to the golden years. Tune in every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. to The Active Life, right here on St. George News Radio 93.1 FM, 1450 AM, KZNU. The Active Life is brought to you by the Huntsman World Senior Games. I turn off the water when I brush my teeth. We follow the seasonal watering schedule. I only run a full load of laundry. There are dozens of easy ways you can conserve water. You choose how. Every drop counts. I helped fix the sprinklers. I shortened my showers. Easy does it, Washington County. Visit WCWCD.org to learn more. You've probably spent as much time in your house in the last few months as you did in the last year. And you've probably noticed that mattress isn't quite as comfortable as you'd hoped. That couch desperately needs an upgrade, and that dining set is being used more than ever. If you're ready for something more comfortable, a better fit, or a fresher look, Ashley Home Store can help. You can count on a clean, safe, and friendly shopping experience. And if you're not quite ready to come in person, give us a call or shop Ashley online, and we'll safely bring it to you. This is a great month to take advantage of our extra inventory and special financing. Southern Utah has certainly seen its ups, downs, booms, and busts. But one thing has remained, the strength of our community. And right now, you can count on your locally owned, family-run Ashley Home Store to provide quality furniture at great prices with unmatched customer service. If you need new furniture for any room of your home, shop local at Ashley Home Store, East Redcliffe Drive, in between the DI and Pineview Stadium 10. Hi guys, it's Andrew with Wasatch Medical Clinic. Erectile dysfunction is a serious subject that plagues a lot of men. The good news is that we can fix the problem without any medication, injections, or surgery. Wasatch Medical is open, and we're here for you. We're following all CDC guidelines. We're even taking your temperature at the door to make sure all of our patients are safe and healthy. Our technology is clinically proven to eliminate ED affordably and quickly with zero side effects. If you're struggling with ED and want a long-lasting fix, call us right now. We're running an unprecedented special never before offered. We'll give you the initial medical exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound totally free. That's a $300 value. Additionally, if you call us now and come in and take our treatments, we'll give you a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. The number is 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now to claim that offer. 801-901-8000. This is the Kate Daly Show. I fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes. I struggle to find any truth in your lies. Now my heart stumbles on things I don't know. My weakness I feel I must finally show. Lend me your hand and we'll conquer them all. Lend me your heart and I'll just let you fall Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see But your soul you must keep totally free Hi there. Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. So glad that you're tuning in today. What a fantastic guest we have. And I want to thank Investigator Dave for that because Investigator Dave, man, you are my secret weapon on this show. You you pull out some amazing guests and I'm just going to tell you, Dave is just, he's just amazing. Uh, so thank you, Dave, right. for finding Gary Wayne. And uh, Gary is talking to us. Wow. Talk about a loaded subject. Uh, can I just say welcome to the program, Gary Wayne? 
Well, happy to be here. And I, I want to let the audience know, your book is The Genesis 6 Conspiracy, How Secret Societies and the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Humankind. That's a loaded title, and I want people to know that the marriage between um, religion and politics is is well alive in this world. And I, I've love having you on the show because of the extensive 30-year research that you have done into this uh, before even writing this book, and that is to trace the bloodlines back. You know, there are very few people on this earth that have been able to do this, and I think this is amazing. Uh, Gary, you were just launching into a story about being at the airport. Yeah, and um, I was reading this book on a long flight, and there's this elderly gentleman that was sitting beside me, and and after a while, he introduces himself, and he says, you know, how's the book? I said, oh, it's, it's rather interesting. I'm taking some notes out of it for a project that I'm working on. And uh, he said, well, he says, I'll tell you what. He says, I'm a 33rd degree um, Scottish Rite Freemason adept. So wow. um, oh. he says, that what I can tell you is is pretty much all that author, and he was referring to Robert Lomas, um, is, is, is pretty darn accurate. Mm. And, uh, and Robert Lomas was another adept, adept in Freemasonry, and he teaches his history to Masons in their lodges. Would you explain what an adept is? An adept is somebody who is initiated to the 33rd degree in the Scottish Rite or a third degree in the York Rite and has been taught all of the information that the level of secret societies that Freemasonry teaches and are introduced at that level to the three biggest secrets that they contain, which I don't think is that big of a secret anymore as to what they hold there. But one of them is uh, the secret to reincarnation. Another one would be uh, the secret to um, who the real God is that they worship that they worship, which is uh, someone they call the great architect of the universe and or Lucifer. They will refer to him as both. Wow. And so these are uh, initiated high level adepts which will get you into the next level called Illuminati because that's the illumination. They've been initiated and illuminated and enlightened with all of this knowledge that we were talking about before the break. And so I said, well, well, terrific. And uh, he says, but he says there's a tie to this that if you can answer a question for me, I'll let you ask me some questions because I was starting to, to ask him some questions. And mm-hmm. so he brings out a ring, and it's this beautiful ring, and it's got this sort of bluish stone in the middle, and there's a couple engravings on it. One has like what looks like a stick and another, and then on both sides of it there's a ball on each side or a dot on each side. And he said, if you can tell me what this means, because Freemasonry is full of iconology and symbols and allegories. That's how everything's encoded in their secret society. He says, you can ask me any question you want. Hmm. And he's kind of chuckling. And so mm-hmm. I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And I thought, well, it's probably even related to what, you know, part of the, you know, the area that I'm working on right now. And so I came back to him after it finally hit me. I said, well, that's either two dots or two balls, and that's either a stick or a cane. Would it be two-ball cane? Because he's their master artificer, right? Whoa. Whoa, okay. Mythos. And he says, oh, you're absolutely right. So he says, okay. I I put it out there, asked me some questions. So I started asking some pointed questions. He says, I'm not answering any of those questions. (laughs) They must have been deep. <laughs> yeah, wow. well, they're sworn to secrecy, so I was going right to the heart of some it. of the big, yeah. And so, if, and again, if people don't understand secret societies, yeah, Freemasonry is not at the top of the apex, right? Mm-hmm. You have, uh, you know, the Illuminati, and you have the Rosicrucians above them, and then there's there's a structure still above that. So, wow, there's a, there's a large hierarchy of uh, organizations, and I'll explain a lot of that architectural structure in the book. Wow. So in, in today's terms, we know that there's the skull and bones, the bushes belong to this, uh, Carrie belongs to this. I mean, if you're going to bring it to today's terms, we've heard a lot of these groups, and these are branch-offs of the very groups you just named, right? Yeah. So, you know, the skull and bones is uh, was originally sort of set up in, in North America for the pseudo-blue bloods as opposed to the pure bloods. And so they're trying to draft in the uh, the rich and the elite and the talented in the Ivy League schools. And so Skull and Bones is kind of the one that they're trying to fast-track through uh, Freemasonry and into the uh, Illuminati and the stepping stone into the CFR, which is an ex- you know, a group yes. that is 
is right. is uh, um, sort of out there to do the beckoning of the secret societies and the family. So, and you also have in the U.S. Um, you know, people are familiar with the uh, uh, the Bohemian Grove, and again, that's for mm-hmm. the new money. And it's not likely you're going to become president or at least president with out their blessings. It can happen, but generally most of the presidential nominees will go there first to get blessed to be able to run for the presidency. Mm-hmm. But still, we're talking fairly low level that they're bringing in, and they'll bring a lot of these um, newer blood people that they're going to marry, give the opportunity to marry into the bloodlines up to the Bilderbergers, where they have a meeting once a year in Europe that your audience might be familiar with, where they're going to lay down the agenda for the year. That's always secret, of course, of what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. But again, that's still not really approaching the, the higher levels. These are still groups that are being managed from other other levels. Okay, so I have one question for you because this is probably going to... Dave's got a lot of questions, but this is my one question since you brought up the presidency. I would love to know your thoughts on Trump and how he works into all of this, of course. We're, we're speaking with Gary Wayne, by the way, if you're just joining us. Go ahead. Well, I'm on a wait and see with uh, Trump, and it's not clear to me that he went to you know the Bohemian Grove to um, get initiated, but it yeah. would certainly it would certainly answer the question why he was had so much opposition to him. You know, although they made him famous and, and good, you know, and popular mm-hmm. at the beginning of the Republican primaries. By the time that was over, they were trying to destroy him, and of course they were laughing at him. And there's no way that he was going to win. So I think he comes from it from knowledge and working with the inside groups. But he's gone rogue and is more of the lower lower level. So I'm not convinced hmm. yet that he's part of that. Interesting. But I'm on a wait and see. Okay. I want to see what okay. he actually does as to what he says. Exactly. Right? And exactly. I totally Good. agree with you. Okay. So we'll get back into your book because I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. It's been a lot of uh, curiosity, right, for the American people. So uh, from where, from whence he came, you know, and, and what he's there for. So, uh, all right. So, so bring us back into um, these these bloodlines and how far back they go. And Dave has a question for you. I, I, I have a hypothetical for you. Sure. Because I, I've noticed in listening to you and several interviews that you're talking about how do they get through the flood? Because the, the Bible says that all flesh will be destroyed. And mm-hmm. is it possible that one of uh, Noah's daughter-in-laws might have carried this through? Maybe Ham's wife or, or somebody else? What do you think, Gary? Yeah, so it's, a, it's an excellent point. And, and I want to preface it for, for the audience sure. is that we're not told how they survived the flood. We're only told in Genesis 6 that they're uh, at that time and then after, and, and that we know that they're after because they show up with uh, beings that do not go back to the table of nations in First Chronicles or Genesis, beings like the Raphaim, the Anakim, the Amin, the Zamzalim, the Avin, and on and on and on. They have no connections back to the table of nations, so we know they show up. And so there's only a few different ways that it could happen even though we're not told. But I also want to underline that it also says in, in uh, Genesis and the flood account that it says that uh, God was only going to destroy what he created, right? And now that's hmm. very, very... Well, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Technical. Hmm. But mm-hmm. if you look at it from just take a half a step back... Um, it's the fallen angels who create the giants, not God, right? Okay. So uh, whether or not that's the actual application that is meant there, but that's in Genesis uh, 6, 7, and 7, 4, where God says he's only going to destroy what he created. But what we do know is that they're after the flood, and David's point is is one of the ways that it could happen, and there's a few different ways on it. And I'm not... This is not my most favorite way mm-hmm. that they got across, but it's a possibility because they know they were there. And so whether or not the wives weren't pure, or as the Gnostics would say, which, again, uh, the Gnostics are more of a fan of survival on the ark somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it's possible, but their belief is that uh, some of the sons of uh, Noah were also giants. And all of them were giants in other Gnostic Gospels, and including Noah. And so they've got a whole bunch of different ways as to how uh, this would have happened on the ark. A lot of more Christian 
researchers will say that it was just that some of the wives perhaps had some of the DNA from the intermarriage. Yes. Uh, and that, and that's how it was produced after the flood. Certainly possible. The other possible ways is is that there were there was a second incursion, where in the first incursion in the in the antediluvian epoch, those angels get put into the abyss for uh, violating the laws of creation. Not all fallen angels were just the impassioned ones and the worst, the ones that corrupted the earth. And so there could have been a second incursion. And we can talk maybe a little bit about that later if people want to do that. But it's another possibility, and a lot of people fall into that category, uh, whether it was at Sodom and Gomorrah or whether it was at Babel, or was it whether or not it was even before that. And then you have the possibility that the fallen angels actually helped the giants. Because if you get into the different stories around the world, mm. again, from a polytheist perspective, uh, they tell of accounts of giants being saved and being warned about the flood and being on an ark. And other ones where they run up to the top of the mountain, but uh, I'm not real convinced of that one because it says in the Bible that all the mountaintops were covered by Mm -hmm. the water. So I'm not sure about that. Somehow they survived, right? Because you had to have these lines keep going. They're in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. So you essentially have about three different groups, and also in with the fallen angel help is is as in the Amakaseth in the Gnostic Gospels, he's taken off world into um, a cloud to be saved, and then another sort of help on that they went underground, and a lot of Christians actually will use that one, and, mm-hmm. and again I'm not convinced of that one either. What I, what I do know is is that they survived the flood. But what's interesting is, is if I can just have a second mm-hmm. on other ways of surviving the flood, it's the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a very interesting story, because that's the one that secular science and uh, organizations use to deface the flood story, as saying it predates it, and it's, in my opinion, it's just simply older. It doesn't mean it's the source document. But it's similar in the... Uh, macro details, but it's completely different in the micro details as you get into it. So the devil's in the details. So Gilgamesh is two-thirds uh, God and one-third human, so he's a Nephilim. He's telling the story to Enkidu, who's created after the flood to uh, offset um, Gilgamesh, and we take Gilgamesh could be either before or after the flood in the story because his name does come up in the Dead Sea Scrolls on on uh, a couple uh Accounts in the Enoch Book of a Giant's Gnostic, albeit where Gilgamesh's name is actually comes up, and he's one of the giants being warned. But can the daily recommended servings of fruits and vegetables fit into just six capsules? Yes. We start by sourcing organically grown whole fruits and vegetables. We ensure they are picked at peak ripeness. All of our produce is third-party tested for pesticides, heavy metals, bad bacteria, and nutrients. They are then washed, cut, and put through an advanced vacuum-cold process, which removes the water using pressure. This maximizes the nutritional value while preserving the color, smell, and taste of the fruit or vegetable. The freeze-dried food is then ground into a fine powder without adding any additives, fillers, or extracts. These powdered foods are then mixed in our proprietary blends and encapsulated, locking out air and moisture. The capsules are then bottled and shipped directly to our customers. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code CANYON. St. George Auto Gallery presents... Sir Lancelot approaches! Lower the drawbridge! Whoa! Oh. My liege, Sir Lancelot returns from his quest. Silence! Sir Lancelot, what news do you have from the Southern Realm? My noble king, the people of the Southern Realm have been deceived with false deals in the automobile industry. They've been told that paying 0% interest or having no payments for 180 days is in their best interest. But sadly, the wolf hides not in sheep's clothing, but in the sales price. 
This is not the St. George Auto Gallery way. I declare we will continue to save our people thousands through the greatest price in all the realm. For the best deals in all the realm, visit stgautodeals.com. Tired of cooking for yourself or eating fast food? Catering Concepts is open and ready for curbside pickup. They have amazing homemade meals that are available for you and your family. The freshest quality ingredients prepared for you. Pick up hot and ready or take and bake. Always fresh, never frozen. Call them today for menus or more information. 574-0059. 24-hour notice for all orders is appreciated. Visit cateringconcepts.com. Catering Concepts, when it just has to be perfect. Lionsgate Recovery understands how difficult times are right now, and we are here to support our community. We have increased testing, screening, and cleaning protocols for safety, but are still accepting new clients who are in dire need of help for substance abuse. If you or a loved one needs help, please call us today. We will do everything we can to get you the help you need. Lionsgate Recovery. People in recovery, helping people find recovery. SNS Mechanical has always been there for you since 1983. During this viral outbreak, it's no different. SNS Mechanical has always strived to provide the very best in indoor air quality solutions for your home or business. They have some phenomenal products that have been proven to reduce indoor allergies and airborne illnesses with extensive third-party testing. They're offering a free in-home evaluation about the Remy Halo air purifier and the Train Clean Effects filter. Call in today, set up a free evaluation, or visit ssairconditioning.com and see if these products can help you with your health today hi this is david down at the summit athletic club here at the summit we are excited to announce we are now back open for all our members your health and safety is our primary concern so we are following the guidelines of our local and state leaders we understand that so many people's lives have been affected in today's world but i think we all understand the importance now more than ever of staying healthy and active That's why right now, for a limited time, we have lowered our prices to as little as $19.95 per month. We want to make it as easy as possible to help people take care of their health and strengthen their immune systems during these unprecedented times. So we hope to see you soon. And don't forget, your future really does start here at the Summit Athletic Club. Take me This is James over at Garage Doors Only. Did you know that replacing your garage door gives you the most bang for your buck when you're remodeling? Here at Garage Doors Only, we can assist you in picking out a perfectly matched garage door for your home. Do you have an HOA? No problem. Is your house over 10 years old? Not a problem. Come visit our showroom at 689 North Bluff, and I will personally help you pick out the best-looking, energy-efficient door for your needs. We team with LiftMaster and Clopay to bring you the best warranties in the business. Schedule your appointment today at 435-868-1200. This episode is previously recorded. Let's for now just leave it at perhaps it was created after the flood or survived on the flood on the mm-hmm. ark as, as a relative of Upnup Pishtun, who is the archetypical uh, uh, Nephilim, who is the king of Uruk at the time of the flood. He's also mm-hmm. two-thirds uh, God and one-third right. human, just yeah. as Enkidu was. So okay. this is a story about the survival of giants. Yeah. You know, they must nothing have, to do with Noah. They, they <laughs> must have been awful tall. And, uh, you know, when the, the Israelites went into the land of Canaan mm-hmm. and met the Amorites, mm-hmm. they, they said we were like grasshoppers to them. Right. Because everybody, I think when people hear the story yeah. of David in the Bible they and Goliath, they just think that that was an anomaly. Like he was just the only one. And I think everybody yeah. has to realize that that can't be. <laughs> I mean. Where did he come from? And, and I will connect uh, Goliath back to the Raphaim through the Bible. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. So that's yeah. in the book, too. Okay. Yeah. And, and and again, if you wonder why there's a different sort of height variation as to Goliath being anywhere from 8 to almost 11 feet tall, mm-hmm. that stems from how do you measure the cubit? Is it a, a common cubit or is it a royal cubit? But I'll make the point in the book that these giants were all kings, so they were all royal bloodlines. And so they would have been measured on a uh, Royal cubit, which is almost 21 inches, 21, 20.6, I think, mm-hmm. whereas 18 inches is the is the uh, standard common cubit. So that would 
take okay. Goliath over 10 feet tall. Like, okay. Or like, and, and also half a span he was as, as well. So, so closer to 11 feet tall. So Just like Og's bed mm-hmm. on the same idea would have been closer to 15 to 16 feet, which may, would have made him bigger likely right. than uh, Goliath. Author Gary Wayne, who's a treasure trove of information on research. I love this. And we're talking about the bloodlines, uh, which in our day, you'd probably recognize this as maybe Illuminati and then getting into the elite, the, the, the ones that actually control the world. And then tying that all the way back and even going into scripture, the book is Genesis 6 Conspiracy. And you're going to want to pick up this book. And Gary will take your calls uh, in the next hour. But and this hour, we're kind of framing this out to kind of see where this goes. And I'm so, I'm just so interested in all of this. Uh, welcome back to the show, Gary Wayne. Let's, let's go into maybe the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th centuries and, and, and how this played out because these lines started way back from the beginning and made it through, correct? You're in the giants and, and, and so forth. Absolutely. And I'm going to backtrack just a little bit further because okay, it explains sure. things a little bit better. Thank so you. there's a group that is formed uh, first uh, in 1090 and officially formed in 1099 called the Knights Templar. And the Knights Templar are made up of such famous names like Godfrey de Bouillon mm. and Hugh de Payan mm. and Montbard and the Count of Champagne. There's also the Folk of Anjou, which is a very, very interesting name as it applies to bloodlines of presidents going back in line because the Anjou produce, produces the Plantagenet dynasty. And yeah. so all of these knights that form were of royal bloodlines and kings, and they were initiated uh, old Masonic adepts that were uniting with other groups that I don't have, probably have time to get into today, but they formed a... Uh, a larger group that was designed to do ex- excavations at, in, um, in Jerusalem that they bring this information back. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a dividing of, of this uh, one major group that uh, I'll know, I know a lot of people will like to debunk called the Priory of Sion. Um, and again, that's another show in itself to show how and why they were actually real. But they split off from the, uh, from the uh, Templars in 1188 and start to regroup with the, the Rosicrucians. And that's kind of why they, I bring them up. And by 1307, the Knights Templar on Friday the 13th, 1307 are disbanded as heretics, even though uh, the bull doesn't uh, stay held against them. And they start to reform afterwards. And what takes place now from this point on is is they're they're going to ensure that these organizations aren't, and all the things that they're doing within the former Knights Templar organization isn't centralized. So now they're going to start to break what the Templars did into certain aspects. And I think this is really, really important to understand. And so as we move forward from 1307, the Rosicrucians worked to put together the Sarkani Rond and the uh, Ordo Draconis in 1408. This is the same group that Vlad II and Vlad III, uh, commonly known as Dracula and Dracul, uh, Dracula with an A on it, is son of a dragon, uh, is also initiated into. And this is to put the dragon bloodlines back on the thrones where they're being pushed back in Europe and to continue the pursuits of thought. They continue to do more work afterwards and they set up um, other secret societies and the first one that they're and there's all going to arrive about the same time but the Rosicrucians which start first and their job is to have represent pure blood representatives within that organization and to uh, control uh, their religion and the information that they're going to uh, deliver and to the public on the religion of polytheism or Gnosticism to continue the development of alchemy, which is their absolute science, and to guide uh, the other organizations that filter through to the 13 families. Then you have being set up right after the Templars, the Freemasonic group being set up with some of the refugee Templars going to Scotland. Now, other ones did go to other groups, which are also initiatory orders, whether it's the Teutonics or the Knights of St. John. Mm-hmm. But it's the Sinclairs who is also part of the original um, 
families of who started the Templars, which they're called the St. Clairs, mm-hmm. um, who get protection in Scotland and help Robert the Bruce how, come to power. How, how did right? it? How did it make its way into America? How did it get to that point where uh, we had individuals over here that uh, that were adopting uh, this the, these lines? That, that, how did these lines get into America? Well. First of all, uh, it's it's more the secret societies. And remember, these aren't the pure blood lines in, in uh, the United States. They're called pseudo bloodlines. Mm-hmm. And they're intermarrying to uh, improve the pedigree of their bloodlines. Okay. And so the secret societies move, uh, Freemasonry uh, moves around the world through both the French mm-hmm. and the uh, English Empire. So after the fall of the Stuarts, that that society goes with the Jacobite movement into France, so they, that's how they get established there. Mm-hmm. And so they're there to uh, set up universities, they're there to uh, control the military, they're there to control the education through, and all the secret societies will work through these lodges that are set up, were set up by the Freemasons. So they're one of the groups that were set up. Mm-hmm. You also have um, the... Uh, the Royal Society that's going to be set up in 1640 and reestablished in 1660, and that their job is is to take education away from um, total control of the Roman Church and to prepare people for the new Atlantis, which they want to bring about, and to continue honoring the great architect of the universe, lead people away from God, not give God credit for anything, and they start all of these scientific organizations and take over education. There's also the Jesuits that are being set up at the same time to continue what uh, the Templars were doing before that and the Augustines and the Benedictine not, uh, Benedictine orders and the Cistercians, which were essentially, uh, again, studying the ideology of the seven sacred sciences or polytheism and interpreting the Bible through um, that lands, and that's what the Jesuits do. And uh, I would also note that the founder of the Jesuits was also uh, a Basque, which is another rabbit hole. But um, and so the Jesuits continue to work um, in the church for their goal. So they're trying to undermine Catholicism uh, for for the most part, and preparing the Catholic Church for the end time to be taken over. That's wow. what they're trying to do yeah. there. You also. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. I was going to say, you also had the Illuminati that was set up, um, and their job was to focus on world government, which was a Templar dream, along with the universal religion, and to try and destroy Christianity. We already talked about sort of where they fit in. And then you had the banking arm that needed to be set up because Templars were the first modern bankers, and they grew rich. And that's Mm -hmm. why there was that splitting in 1188, because uh, there was a schism in terms of what their agenda was. So they had to set up the Bowers in... Um, in Germany to become mm-hmm. the banking arm to fund wars and fund the projects of what they wanted to do. Fact, and they changed their mm-hmm. name in 1798 to the Rothschilds. Yes. In fact, they're the ones that started checks, right? You could get yeah. a note for, yeah. uh, for your funds and <laughs> then they would make money on that. Didn't they start out as a pretty benign group and then turned into a, uh, well, I don't even know what to say, pretty nefarious, uh, <laughs> obviously, with the with the banking of the power, the power of the, of the banking industry. They were the most yeah, they're, uh-huh. they're the richest um, organization in in uh, in probably in the world, but certainly in the West of that time. They were the greatest military order of that time, and they controlled. They had their own papal bulls that they didn't have to answer to the local king or to mm-hmm. the local bishops. They only answered directly to the pope. Because they were and protected they could move by across them. borders yeah. as they wanted to. Mm-hmm. They were very powerful. Yeah, I mean they were completely protected by the church because at that time. And the church has had the power. I mean, that's that's essentially who had all the power, right? One, one, yeah. yeah. Okay. One thing's kind of puzzled me. George mm-hmm. Washington was a Mason, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, and yet he warned yep. against warned against uh, America getting involved in these societies. What do you think, Gary? About coming to America. So. Well, um, I, I'd have to look a little bit harder at, as to what he said when he when he did the warning. But there's no doubt there's 
um, <clears throat> records to show that he was a Freemason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all there was a lot of Freemasons that were involved in the military at the time of the American Revolution and a number of Freemasons that um, worked to form the document that was going to not only protect uh, at least Christianity until the end time with the Constitution, but certainly was designed to protect uh, their hidden religion of Gnosticism. Is there white hats and black hats in every one of these organizations? To a certain degree, yes. Uh, but once you're at the adept level, you're swearing your allegiance to Lucifer. So once you, wow. get, you make once a choice, you get so then, high. right? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so so tell me about the Rothschilds, because that comes up a lot. That name comes up a lot, and they seem to always be hanging in the wings. Uh, tell me about the Rothschilds. Yeah, the first thing I would say about the Rothschilds is that um, because they are so visible and um, so well talked about, is that they are not... Um, as powerful as what people think they are powerful but they're not the true power and they're just again anything that you see too much of that's Mm -hmm. what they want us to see who who is yeah yeah so who is well that's when you get back to Mm -hmm. the the original bloodlines of these noble families that are coming out of the formation of the knights templar and a lot of the royal families that are still in power today whether or not it is the uh uh, the king and queens of England or of Spain or the Habsburgs or the Stuarts, because what they do is they trace their bloodlines back to the Nephilim mm-hmm. through the Merovingian bloodline, which incidentally, uh, Godfrey de Bouillon was a descendant of Dagobert, the last survivor of the Merovingian dynasty. And they track these genealogies all the way back into prehistory because they want to link, them, link themselves back to the Nephilim gods who were demigods and to the fallen angels who they believe were gods. Wow. This well, is I, why bloodlines are so important to the right. royals. <laughs> I, I, now, I read a, a list, and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but they mentioned the king and queen, but they mentioned like the du, DuPonts mm-hmm. and the Rothschilds mm-hmm. and Rockefellers and the, and the Kennedys and, 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 and several bloodlines. Okay. What do you think? While they're marrying in, these are still pseudo-bloodlines. So let's have a little bit closer look at the Rothschilds, and maybe it will um, it will help a little bit. So um, we already talked about they started in uh, Germany as the Bauer family and then changed their name in about 1770s. Um, the they created the uh, the Bank of Frankfurt. Okay, by 18 by the early 1800s, they were making partnerships, and they still have ownership in a lot of these different. Uh, wealthy families and bankers mostly, even to this day. So they set up partnerships with like uh, the Schiff family uh, and the Warburg family and the Goldman Sachs. And these are a stable of what they would call their covert agents that are going to influence the United States because the United States is created as the uh, arch archetypical model of what they had envisioned the world government would be. So they're going to be these states that are working together. So the United States is the platform that they created, and it was a Templar dream, and then furthered by Francis Bacon and his ideals, Mm -hmm. and he's also the uh, spiritual founder for the Royal Society, to have the United States set up that way. So Mm -hmm. these set up the main banks, and then they start to fund uh, the Morgans and the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and the Harrimans and the Astors mm-hmm. and the DuPonts and on and on and on. And all of these pseudo blue bloods are now becoming, not now becoming, became fiercely loyal to the Rothschilds and these other partners of the Rothschilds who put them into business. Wow. Um, I have 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure you're going to answer this. What did you mean by America being the Templar dream? They wanted to set up uh, the United States to be the platform to bring about the new Atlantis. And so it is set up and became powerful and has been invested in to find ways to show how the world should be set up, how they should work together as as all these states uh, working together under one strong central government, and to push the world into that direction. A big thank you to Gary Wayne, Secret Societies. Everybody have a great weekend.